All right, and I want to make sure that I'm saying these right. Um, ben Ben Reich, Ben Reich, Ben Riach, Ben Riach. Oh, oh gosh, Ben Riach, Ben Riach. I can say it. Well, no, I, I want to be able to like introduce it <laughs> and kind of talk about it. So Ben Riach, I want to hear him fumble. Glendronic, so. right? And then uh, Glen Glassano. Glen Glassa. Glen Glassa. Have a Glen. Have a glass of Glen Glassa. Glen Glassa. Okay. Have a glass of Glen Glassa. Nah, uh, I must weave that one in. Now that yeah. thought of it. You, know, gonna, <laughs> you should make them pay you for that idea. I'm gonna butcher this so bad. Happy New Year, everybody. It is episode 234 of Bourbon Pursuit. And with the new year, it comes time that we can all reflect back and start with a clean slate. It gives us a chance to focus on where things are exciting and where we see change happening. And we looked at the world of bourbon and saw that there's too much drama. So we explored what else this wonderful world of whiskey has to offer. And we decided that we're going to start venturing off into scotch. So now you can look forward to a whole lot more scotch podcasts happening in 2020. All right, that was a bad joke. We're not going to be doing any of that. We don't have any other Scotch Plane episodes except for this one you're going to hear today. So you're in the clear. All right, now let's get on with the news. The bourbon world lost another great on Christmas Day of 2019 with the passing of Al Young from Four Roses. Al served in various roles at Four Roses for 52 years. In 1990, he became distillery manager and in 2007 was named Four Roses Bourbon Brand Ambassador. He was also a historian and published the book Four Roses, the return of a whiskey legend in 2010. Al was inducted into the Whiskey Magazine Hall of Fame in 2015, and he's also a member of the Kentucky Distillers Association, Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame. After the dedication of the 50th anniversary bottle in 2017, he was boosted in the spotlight and he was regularly seen during private barrel selections. We captured him telling the story of Four Roses and part of his career way back on episode three in 2015. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family, friends, and the entire Four Roses community. We covered this in the podcast way back in July because on July 3rd, 2019, lightning struck a warehouse at Bean's Maturation Complex on the site of the former Old Crow Distillery on McCracken Road. The warehouse held an estimated 40,000 barrels of whiskey and collapsed, resulting in a fire. The site is located on the banks of the Glens Creek, which flows into the Kentucky River, which eventually goes into the Ohio River. State fish and wildlife investigators later found dead fish along 62 miles of all three waterways, with the most impact happening in Glens Creek in the Kentucky River. Beam Centauri has agreed to pay the state of Kentucky more than $700,000 following the environmental damage from July's warehouse fire. According to Louisville's Courier-Journal, the Kentucky Energy and Environmental Cabinet negotiated a $600,000 fine with the company's Jim Beam's brand unit, an additional $112,000 to reimburse the agency for its expenses from the fire. Now, we've talked about the rise of shipping alcohol in the podcast plenty of times before, but now there are studies coming out. The volume of liquor sold online in the U.S. should be more than quadrupled by 2024, reaching an estimated value of $13.4 billion. And this is according to IWSR, who is the global benchmark for beverage alcohol and data intelligence. Now, there are hurdles that come along with this. You've got the antiquated three-tier system. You get blue laws in individual states that take care of age verification. And you also have perception because half of the people that were surveyed during this thought that purchasing online was illegal. With companies like Drizzly leading the charge, along with other retailers using things like Instacart for Costco, people like this are doing same-day delivery. Expect to see more that can happen in 2020. Thank you to everyone who supported the Bourbon Pursuit Christmas Charity Raffles. 
we raised $13,740 for the USO, Pets for Vets, and Love City. We appreciate everyone who took the time to donate to these good causes, and the winners, you'll be receiving your items in the mail over the next two weeks. We've been truly impressed by our latest Pursuit Series offerings. Episode 18 of Pursuit Series was our first ever rye barrel, and it came from Finger Lakes Distilling. It's a four-year-old, but it packs fruit and spice all in one for $65. And we also released episode 19, which is from our Tennessee stock. It's a 10-year-old bourbon, and it tastes like those orange push-ups that we all used to love as kids. We have less than 15 bottles remaining of episode 18 and about 80 bottles left of episode 19. We also have less than 10 bottles remaining of episode 12, so you better act fast. You can get the links to purchase all these by going to PursuitSpirits.com. This was an exciting episode for Ryan and I. We don't know anything about scotch, like none. At least when we started this podcast, we were curious about bourbon, and we started to learn a whole lot more before really diving into it. So what better way to get the full experience about scotch than by having Dr. Rachel Berry, who is a master blender for multiple lines of scotches, come on the show and show us the ropes. We talk about malting, peat, regulations to be considered a scotch, temperatures, and a whole lot more. This is a fantastic 101 to the scotch world and even made us not so much scotch curious, but more so single malt curious. Since this recording, we've tried various American and foreign single malts and found some that we've really loved and enjoyed. So there's a lot more out there than bourbon for most of us. Now, sit back, let's relax. You've got Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick and this is Above the Char. There are a few people you meet in life where they just instantly feel like they're a brother or a family member or someone who just cares so deeply about another human being that they would just do anything for a total stranger. That's who Al Young was. Al Young was probably the most knowledgeable person in bourbon that never wanted any credit. Al Young was this incredible brand ambassador for Four Roses, who had started working for the Seagram's company in 1967 and had been all over the place in the distilling business. You know, to me, the, the pinnacle of his career was when he served as the plant manager for Four Roses. Everybody talks about the master distiller, but Al was the plant manager. And when it came time to retire, they found another job for him because they didn't want to let him go. Because anybody who ever met Al Young just felt this kismic kind of special relationship to him. He was, he was avuncular, caring, kind, and he wanted to know about you. That's what made Al Young so special, was that it was about bourbon and he loved Four Roses, but it was never about really anything other than the people. Al wanted to know where you grew up, how many kids you have, what you love about whiskey, what you don't like. He wanted to talk to you and learn about you. And so when he passed away on Christmas Day this past week, I think a lot of us felt that. We felt this big hole that we lost a friend. And yeah, we always talked about how we lost a, a whiskey legend. But more than anything... Al was everybody's friend. And if you ever did a barrel pick with him, if you ever shook his hand, if you ever had a drink with him in a bar or, or had a sandwich in a cafe, 
you know what I'm talking about. Al Young was one of a kind, and he will be missed. And that's this week's Above the Char. If you want to learn more about Al Young's contributions, go check out my uh, Forbes article. Visit Forbes.com. And you should also check out the book he wrote about Four Roses. You can just find it on Amazon. Search for Four Roses. Until next week, cheers. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000273. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Kenny and Ryan here on site in uh, in another studio. We're at Brown Foreman Studio, yes. but today we're talking about a topic that's so green to us. Like I'm, I we we got this email from uh, Andrea who set, set this up, and I said, let's take it, let's do the opportunity because we need to branch out a little bit because we've been so bourbon focused in our podcasts and our lives, we forget about this, oh, there's this whole other world of whiskey that we're not even touching on. And that actually, if you look at it, sort of trumps even what bourbon does on the global map too. Oh, yes. But by far, and it was funny on the way here, I was thinking like, all right, what are we going to talk about? And then like, start thinking like, when I was, when you're like in your 20s, early 20s, you like kind of make all these rules for yourself. Like, I will never pay someone to mow my lawn or my kids won't be the ones that screaming at the restaurant. And another rule for me was, because I'm from Bardstown, I will never drink scotch. And, <laughs> but 
today I'm changing that and I'm excited to learn about it and drink some scotch. I know so. it's, it's going to be exciting to do that. And that's really why we have, and it's, and this is what I love about this is that we have a guest on today that is, is pretty world renowned, especially for the, the, the scotches that she blends and she touches, you know, I think we might be a little jaded. We might be sitting in the bounds of royalty right now and not even really recognize it. Yeah, we're peasants <laughs> in the scotch game. So. <laughs> so let's go ahead and introduce our guest today. So today we have Rachel Berry. Rachel is the master blender for Benrack, the Glendronic, Glen Glassenal. I got I hope I got that right for single malt scotch whiskeys in the brown form and portfolio. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You did well with those, Kenny. Yeah, I know. Beforehand, <laughs> he was kind of fumbling through. It was kind of quite comical. Because <laughs> <laughs> we want a, a, a glass of Glen Glassenol. Was that is that how it was? Uh, well, I said a glass of Glen Glassa. See, that sounds. I have so a very funny. basic question to start us off. While the Glens and Bens, what like there's you know Glen Liva, Glen Morangie, Glen. Glen Glass and Glendronach, you know, where, well, where's the Glen It's all to do name? with altitude, really. Okay. So Glendronach is very deep down in the valley, in the Valley of Brambles. Um, so it's a Glen. Okay. Um, and Glen Glassa is uh, deep down beside the sea. Okay. Um, so you have to, again, go down into Glen Glassa. And then Ben Riek is a little bit higher altitude. We call so those haulers ben. here. Ah, <laughs> really? We call them haulers. Okay. We go down to the hauler. Yeah. Yeah. You go fishing down Perhaps. in the hauler. Exactly. You can go fishing there, absolutely. You can go, you can go surfing there. <laughs> oh, no, there's no surfing yeah. in the haulers. <laughs> We've got surfing. Yeah. We're, we're by the sea. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Ben Riek is a slightly higher altitude. Um, so it's a Ben. Okay. Yeah. And Very so simple. I'm assuming the altitudes do something to the whiskey that really kind of push into the name as it as well. Yeah, everything makes a difference with scotch. I mean, scotch whiskey has been around since 1494. Um, if not for centuries before, that was our earliest recorded evidence. And we've got 128 distilleries in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And no two distilleries are the same. It's the spirit with the greatest diversity of style and individuality of character in the world. Oh, and we're going to be tasting through yeah. those a little bit later. We'll dive into those. I probably jumped ahead. Kenny's <laughs> itinerary or objectives no. here. I mean, so yeah, altitude is a part of it. Well, it's a part of it. It's one part of many parts. Okay, I'm glad we got so that. So it's kind of like you know pinots. You kind of grow up, pinot noir in the wine. You kind of grow in the more lower humid regions, and then you have grapes in the higher regions that get more sun, and it's kind of kind of gives different flavors. What right? Yeah, it affects it affects the maturation. It affects the fermentation. Where the distillery is. Gotcha. Cool. And, and so you're based out of Scotland too, is that correct? Absolutely. Where in Scotland? Um, well, I was born uh, five minutes from Glendonic Distillery and I was brought up there. And then I went to Edinburgh University and uh, the head office, the Brown Foreman uh, production head office is in Edinburgh oh. for the Scotch whiskies. There we go. So, you grew up by, so you're destined to be in Scotch. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I've come home working for Glendonic. And Ben Riek and Glen Glassa, because, say, born near Glendonic, uh, I learned to surf with my dad at Glen Glassa, and I learned to glide at Ben Riek. No, that's cool. So I, I guess talk about growing up around it. I mean, was was your family have an influence into it at all, or was it just something that you just kind of naturally gravitated towards? 
Well, my dad was the first to share with me a wee dram when I was far too young. I shouldn't <laughs> say this to be having a wee dram. That's nah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I think and, everybody's had the story. <laughs> and he also collects malt, so he was a big malt aficionado. Um, and, um, I, you know, it's more actually being involved in farming as well. You know, it's more that side of things um, than distilling. But, yeah, it was serendipity getting into it, really. Um, cause I'm a chemist by trade mm-hmm. and, um, I could have worked for oil or, you know, uh, pharmaceuticals and got offered jobs with those. But then I just happened to be cycling past the career service on the last day, mm-hmm. a job was advertised at the Scotch Whiskey Research Institute. Didn't even know such a job existed and uh, got the job. And then I've never looked back four mm-hmm. years and researching the alchemy of Scotch and then making it. So that's even been a better. fun journey. Now, the other thing we forgot to mention, you're also a doctor of the trade. Am I not? Am I correct as yeah, well? So yeah. Kind well, of, last year I got an honorary doctorate from the University of Edinburgh. So I was wow. honored to be uh, given that. I feel even worse about myself now. <laughs> 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 you See, not only staying in the hands of greatness, we're also a doctor. <laughs> I know. <one> of us. <laughs> well, I actually studied medicine first as well. It's quite funny. Well, whiskey uh, is medicine. You know. It sure is. That's what I say. That's what I say. You know, a wee drama day keeps a doctor a day. Yep. Away. <laughs> <laughs> How much have you been drinking already today? No, I'm just kidding. I'm um, on that one. <laughs> So let's let's talk a little bit more about, you know, your history, uh, you know, going because I, I know that you've had your hands in a lot of the glens and bends of the region as well before you were a master blender here at Brown Foreman taking care of the brands here. So kind of talk about some of that history, too. Yeah, I mean, I started off with a glen in the far north of Scotland, um, two glens, um, Glenmorangie, Glen Murray, and then um, also Isla um, with our bag. And uh, worked with their blends as well, creating them. So that was a that was a fun journey. That was 16, 17 years. And then uh, moved to uh, Bomore, worked more with, with Isla mm-hmm. um, and with the Highlands, uh, with another Glen, and also with the Lowlands, um, with a Glasgow distillery. And then uh, a couple more um, Islas and um, another Highland. But I've left the best to last working with Brent Foreman because it's truly going home. Mm-hmm. So I've done my whiskey exploration. Yeah, you've, been, uh, you've seen them all. Yeah. Whenever I see a bottle of Glen Morangy, I'm like, does it taste like oranges? Or, you know, like, I don't know. It it looks like an orange bottle. Like, I don't know. What's what's the difference between, like, you, you talked about Ala. I guess that's where Lafroig and, you know, different types of brands. What makes the region different? The region's like, one part. It's one part. I mean, a lot of it is down to um, the conditions. So, um, I mean, you're right because I hear people is. talk about Speyside and stuff yeah. like that too. Well, Speyside's really Speyside got 50 to 60 distilleries in it. So, it's where most of the distilleries are. And Ben Riek is right in the heart of Speyside, um, halfway between the mountain and the sea. And it's beautifully balanced. Um, and, um, you know, it tends to be, you know, fruit laden malts are from Speyside. So, Ben Riek is particularly fruit laden, like orchard fruit. Um, so everything makes a difference. Um, shape of the stills, the water, the barley. Um, yeah. And then the Highlands, there's actually, with, like with Glendronach, there's actually very few distilleries in the Eastern Highlands. There's only three. So Glendronach is incredibly distinctive. Um, and it's a real old style, old school malt. 
Well, what's, what makes it an old school? Because you got to understand, we're coming to this to be yeah. like, be like we know we know mash bills. Let's start at the basics. Yeah. <laughs> scotch. Like, what well, is in scotch versus yeah. a bourbon? Okay, like, there we go. Yeah. There we go. We've only got, for malt whiskey anyway, yep. um, single malt, and that's the category that's growing. That's what people are really um, loving. And, and we've got three award-winning top distilleries. Um, three ingredients, malted barley, so it has to be malt for a single malt whiskey. Is there a percentage in that? Like, sir, is there a certain 100% percent? malt. Gotcha. <laughs> there we go. So when you do go the tour, it's like, it has to be 100% malt. For a single malt <laughs> Like distillery. here, they're always like 51% corn. You know, that's the thing you 100% hear. malt because malted barley is the most complex material you can create flavor from in the world. Okay. There's hundreds of flavor compounds created from malted barley. And therefore... Why is that versus other grains? Because it's just Talk packed to me. full of amino acids, of lipids, as well as the starch that gives you the sugars. So um, there's just so much. And on the husk, you even get um, vanilla, you get citrus. There's so much to be extracted and converted by the yeast okay. into flavor. So it's much, much more than just um, alcohol. So in, in, you know, in fermentation, you actually create the same flavors as you would do in a wine. So, you know, people often say, oh, how do you get this grapiness from malt? I'm like, malt is magical. It just <laughs> mm-hmm. creates all this flavor. And that's why Nutri's distillery is the same. It's a very complex material. And it's the synchronicity of, of where the distillery is, every single step of the process that creates quite a distinctive character. I was about to say, how do you, how do you keep that consistent um, uh, between, well, like, between you know, the distilleries? Because I would imagine that, you know, one farmer's malted bar, one farmer's barley that you got to bring in and malt, like you had to have some sort of process to try to get a consistency. Yeah. But I mean, there's always going to be some sort of variations. Yeah. I mean, the malted barley varieties uh, per year might be slightly different, more to do with the harvest. Um, but generally, uh, you know, most of Scotland will be growing the same the same varieties because mm-hmm. um, they're the ones that are working and, you know, are disease resistant and, and grow and give you the highest yield. Um but, um, I mean, the malting process can affect it. At Benriac, we've got our own maltings, um, which is something really special. One of only two distilleries of those, you know, 55 distilleries in Scotland that to have the old maltings. So that adds, you know, something something special. We don't malt all year, but we do batches. For somebody that doesn't yeah. know, can you describe what malting or okay. malt is? malting is just bringing And that would be, that somebody barley. might be me. Yeah, <laughs> it's bringing the barley to life. So the barley is harvested, spring barley is harvested in August, and then um, it will be uh, malted uh, typically, you know, uh, in in the autumn, Um, or it can be kept as just the green barley, as we call it, before it's malted for longer and malted in the spring. Um, But malting means that you basically steep it in water. Okay. So you're giving it some moisture, which is encouraging it to grow. Yep. And the growing phase is called germination, yep. and that's where the malt is laid out on the floor. And the old style is with a, you know, um, to, to shovel it, basically, a malt shovel, um, to turn it. So it so stops it from all sprouting? knitting together. It, it stops it from knitting together with the sprouts. Okay. Um, and it, it ensures an even temperature. And, and this allows the, the enzymes to start working and the, fooling the barley into thinking it's growing. Right. Because giving it those conditions. And so when we've got the enzymes just perfect and the, the barley is modified so that it's activate those enzymes, it's then we need to stop it. And that is done through malt kilning. 
and that's where um, the the germinated barley is 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 raised onto a malting floor, and beneath that there is heat, and that's the kiln. Okay. Um, traditionally, peat was used um, in most distilleries, going way 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 back. But then, you know, in the 20th century, there was gas, etc. Um, so, so, so most distilleries these days are unpeated. Um, with Ben Riek, we've got both. So um, we're very lucky to have both. But peat itself is, is, um, is found a lot in Scotland. Um, for Ben Riek, we source it from nearby um, the distillery. And there um, was Caledonian forests um, 10,000 years ago. And over 10,000 years, the Caledonian forest has, has broken down over time, mm-hmm. over this time, and created the peat that we use. So our peat, actually, you can see fibers in it, almost like fibers of wood. So is this like uh, like sphagnum peat moss or anything like that type or... No, this is more like Woodridge. Woodridge, okay. And this is because it's from the northeast where gotcha. we do have Caledonian forests. Whereas if you went to Isla, which is an island off the west coast, which makes the most, um, I suppose, the highest density of peated whiskies. Um, and when you say peat, it's, is it peat moss? It's peat moss, yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Peat moss and also... Um, Only because I use peat moss. I have an agriculture, like turf management. I was about to say, he's, pun- he's probably, probably, turf he's probably putting his college uh, degree to, yeah, to work like, here. Horticulture degree, and we use oh, wow. peat, we use peat moss to like improve soil profiles and textures because it's rich in Fantastic. organic matter. There and you all go. That stuff, well, so. it's all that organic see? matter. Yeah, you see, exactly, yeah. that's decayed over ten thousand years, uh-huh. and in different parts of the geography of Scotland, um, you have you know different types of vegetation. And when you burn the peat, um, which fuels the fire that malts the barley. Um, the aromas from from that uh, material, that vegetation, um, permeate the the barley. So this introduces smoky flavors, and you know more on Isla, you'll find something more medicinal, more seaweedy, decaying mm-hmm. sweet seaweed type of smell. Yep. Um, whereas uh, with Ben Riek, it's that sweet. Ah, wood smoke, almost like a barbecue smell. I think okay. people in Kentucky would love it. Um, you know, it's it's really, really sweet. Um, like, and I guess that's based smoke. on the native vegetation there. Yeah, like- absolutely. But also in Speyside, this is very, very rare, right? We peat every year. We do a batch. So it's around 15% of what we do. Um, and then I get to have fun playing tunes with the, the peat and the unpeated stock and, and, and with flavor and create flavor. So, so it's great fun. But space, I typically is unpeated, um, malts. Um, mm-hmm. they, t- they tend to have most of your glands. Um, so Ben, Ben Riek's really very bold and adventurous and, and having. Is there anything like a peat shortage or is everyone, <laughs> is that ever worried? Like, no, you know, people peat. here talk about, you know, usage of oak or whatever. They're like, oh, Ukrainian oak shortage. They ever complain about, they're all using all our peat. Ah. We've got plenty of peat. <laughs> <You're> okay, <cool. laughs> Don't worry about the peat. There's plenty of peat. Gotcha. Doesn't actually take that much of peat. To create the smoke, to gotcha. fuel the fire, etc. So um, it's all relative, isn't it? Probably use more in your horticulture. Yeah, yeah. it's the dang <laughs> farmers and, and weekend gardeners. Well, see, I was kind of curious about like what was the shift of moving away from peat? Was it just inefficiencies of scale, or was it a change in flavor that people were looking for? Like, what was the? Because you said most distilleries are kind of shifting away from that. 
Um, well, this no historically, um, it was more to do with the fact that um, we could get natural gas to mm -hmm. um, to um, uh, dry the barley, um, which is more efficient um, and also um, you know better for the environment overall. Um, so yeah, very cool. But, um, so I think yeah, we hit step one. Step one. Step, all right, yeah. we got. We got, we, barley, got the, we got barley. the barley, then we're malting it, and then we're kilning it yeah. to dry it out to stop the germination yeah. process. All right, where are we at? Step C. <laughs> Next step. Oh, we get the the malted barley in to mill it. Okay. So we have to put it in a mill, and there's two different types of mill and distilleries, Porteous or a Bobby mill, and they've got uh, four different rollers. And when it goes through the mill, this cracks open the husk, okay. which is the surface of the barley. And then it goes down to the next level of rollers and it gives you three different particle sizes, which are the husk on the outside of the barley, the, the grist in the middle and the flour. And you have to get a perfect combination to give you the best taste and to get the most extraction. How do you get the perfect combination? Well, you just know what's right for you. Gotcha. And then you can use a sieve and you use a sieve and you, you work out your different particle sizes, percentages. Gotcha. It's actually a really simple process to, for the guys to do at the distillery. Um, but kind, yeah, of an, typically, kind of analogous to like the corn that we take and, you know, basically churn into yep. um, a powdered form. When we're yeah. sitting there getting ready to do our mash. Mm -hmm. I guess that but would probably no, be analogous. Too almost. much flour or powder is not good mm -hmm. because it would clog up the mash ton. Okay. Okay, it give, would give you lots of alcohol, and also it's not as good from flavor. Um, husk is great because it gives us a filter bed in the mash tun, and we want to produce a clear wort. Because so when we drain it off, um, the, you know, it filters through. And then the grist is the majority at 70% in the middle size particles. Gives us great flavor and alcohol. Awesome. All right. So we're moving past the mills. Where are we going next? We're going into the mash tun. All right. And there's different sort of mash tuns in Scotch. Um, at Glendronic, we've got a copper mash tun, um, which goes right back to 1826. It's incredible. Lots of contact with copper. It's a traditional rake and plow. It's a very slow process. It takes six hours to mash. Um, ben Rieck also takes a long time to, to mash, very slow, where some more efficient, uh, bigger distilleries might take three hours. Okay. But uh, we believe slow and steady wins the race. That's right. The the tortoise always wins when I read the story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you know Peter Pan. Do you know the, the tortoise? You know, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, you get complexity in, in, in whiskey if you take your time. That's right. So with Ben Reik, for example, we we add one water um, at around you know, 60, 65 degrees. Um, we mash this and then we drain it off through the filter bed. And then we add another water at a higher temperature, um, around 74, and we drain it off. And they both go into the fermentation process. And then we add two more waters, which um, just clean it all out and go back into the the, the, the first, uh, with the first uh, water from the next run. Um, so we... Sour we, mesh water. Is that kind of what yeah. we're thinking here? <laughs> so we, um, we basically are great economists in Scotland. We don't let any drop go to waste. Yeah. And so... With fermentation, are you all hanging your hat on like this is our own yeast we've had for since fourteen hundred or whatever you said? Well, or, you know, we've got like we've got great distillers yeast that yep. the whole industry uses, which um, are perfect for Scotch. So we've got distillers yeast that's perfect for Scotch. 
but when we ferment as well, you know, this is where a bit the magic comes in. You know, you know, we've got um, uh, washbacks that you know air does the natural flora can get into, so it can influence the fermentation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so open so, air tanks, kind of sort of thing. I gotcha. Well, at um, at Glendronach, we have uh, Scottish larch washbacks, um, and sorry, you know, that, I, I Scottish think... larch. It's a wood. Oh, okay. I Type was, of wood. See, he knew exactly. He was nodding his head. He's I like, know. yeah, don't you know. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like, I got wood. nothing here. So. It's a wood. So, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Kenny, it's not computers. Well, <laughs> I was like, you know, you, you think about some distillers we go to and they've got the cypress tanks. You know, that's, I right. understand that. But yeah, this is a, it's another this species. Is, I was is, yeah. So, yeah. So, Scottish larch. And, and therefore, you know, it can, it, you know, pick, it can uh, breathe. You can never get it fully cleaned. But that's great because it gets more of the microflora. Yeah. Yeah, like funk. Character. Character, character yeah. That's what, or funk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the character, yes. Funk's a good thing. Robust. <laughs> robust, yes. Character. Robust yeah. Highland character. Yes. That's how royalty says it. Yeah. Like, you know the word. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're through fermentation. We're, I'm assuming, distilling copper stills, right? Pot stills? Oh, copper pot stills. Yeah. And no, dist- again, no distilling. No column copper stills ever? Never column stills for malt. Never. Okay. And why no. is that? Yeah, I was like saying it's because it's pretty efficient in what we see around here. That's kind of what a lot of the a lot of the distilleries hang their hats on are doing a lot of bourbon and a lot of runs at once is basically using a really massive column stills. We have one of the most inefficient processes. <laughs> Incredible complexity of flavor. It's all about the flavor at mm-hmm. the end of the day, and with single malt in particular. Um, there's lots going on. So you want to take um, one cut that's special for your distillery in the second distillation. So the f- there's two distillations typically in scotch. Um, the first one's called the wash still, tends to be the bigger still. And the second one is the spirit still. In the first still, you uh, distill the beer from around 8% alcohol up to around 20, 24%. And that's called the low wines. And then you take the low wines, which is 24, and to the second still, the spirit still, and we um, we cut the middle point. So when it's distilling over um, with Ben Reik, for example, 13 minutes, uh, we just uh, recycle. So we cut it. It goes into one um, chamber. Mm-hmm. And then the middle heart goes into another chamber, and that is for filling into cask. And then the tails... I go back into that first chamber and then they're all recycled. Okay. So um, it's a very slow process, but it means that we capture very specific flavors. And then the, the, the still design is uh, has an influence as well. So um, at Ben Reik, we've got very pear-shaped stills. They just look like beautiful pears. And they this captures almost a fruity pear drop um, apple character. It's like an apple orchard um, in the stills. Whereas at Glendronach, we have uh, almost like saxophone stills. Um, very unusual design. Certainly in terms of the neck, it curls round up and down, just like a swan's neck. And this is very, very unusual. Um, so we have a boil ball that gives you lots of reflux and then the swan's neck. So we get this uh, unique character. How many um, different kinds of stills have you seen over your course of time, you know, with all the different kinds? Of, so, I mean, there's there's not <laughs> kind of like a, 
I guess a good recipe that everybody kind of follows along, like around here, everybody goes, oh, let's just call Vendome yeah. and uh, let's <laughs> call it a day. Of, yeah, well, yeah, write a check and then all Is there a, a Vendome of Scotland? Well, there's a Forsyth's, yeah, okay. Copper Smith's, mm -hmm. and they replaced the stills. Remember, Scotch whiskey's been going for a long time. Glendonic was 1826, you know, when it got those stills. So they'll replace them exactly, you know, every every little bash, every, you know, everything, just the right, same, exactly the same uh, dimensions mm -hmm. for each distillery. Yeah. So they're the, they're the Copper Smith's. I gotcha. Yeah. So quite often you see stills just driving along the road. <laughs> <laughs> Being replaced. Yeah. That's awesome though. Because the, the copper does wear. I mean, copper's mm -hmm. great. It's a great conductor. It's uh, wonderful for flavor because um, it catalyzes more fruit. It takes out the harsh elements. Uh, it's, uh, it's magical. Absolutely. And so from there, you've got your hearts and you're mm -hmm. assuming you're filling barrels now. You're filling barrels. Okay. Absolutely. Is it typical still 53-gallon, sometime ex-bourbon cask? Like, we're, talk about the barrels. Well, that's interesting because if you go back to 1826, for example, back then, in, it was sherry principally that was imported into, into Scotland mm -hmm. and bottles. And then the casks were just used as surplus. Before then, it was aquavitae, water of life, clear spirit, um, you know, that uh, farmers made because they had surplus barley. Who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. We, we, we call that a little bit different around here, don't we? Yeah, we call that moonshine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was serendipity, as many things in the in the Scotch industry, that uh, these uh, sherry casks in the main, but there was also port casks, claret casks. What at that point um, were used to um, to house the the whiskey. What's your favorite cask? You can't ask me that. No. <laughs> I love wood. No, I mean, I've spent so much time analyzing oak from around the world. Uh, I just love them all. I cannot say that. That's an uh, impossible. That's a cop out. <laughs> yeah. I love the one I'm creating the whiskey with that day. That day. So gotcha. today. Yeah. Yeah. Today. You're fully present with that cask. I'm fully present with each cask. Gotcha. Absolutely. All right. So what was Absolutely. the last cask you used? <laughs> what was the last? Before I came, well, I came to Louisville a few days ago, and the last uh, cask I nosed from was uh, definitely a Glendronic Pedro Jimenez cask. Mm -hmm. That was the last one. PX, PX Sherry, right? Is that what they call PX, it? Yeah, yeah okay. Pedro Jimenez. So that was the last one. I'm learning. But the beauty of um, Scotch, and it's part of its um, authenticity as well, is that we have this incredible selection. We, we have to use oak. Mm -hmm. Oak is the best. Yeah. You know, other woods just do not cut the mustard. They don't have the complexity. Um, but apart from that, it can have been, you know, virgin oak we can use, just like in bourbon, um, or used casks. So, uh, for example, with Benriac, we have the most eclectic collection of casks in Speyside, if not in the whole of Scotland. In Warehouse 13, uh, we've got everything from the virgin oak to bourbon to rum to red wine, uh, Bordeaux, Clart, Rioja, to Moscatel, Marsala, to uh, Tony Port, Ruby Port, to I miss, must have missed one out. I thought of I, I, I think you, some more. you hit, a, you hit more on. than I could come up with. Come yeah. on, you can come I don't up even with know some guys. Madeira, Sautern. Okay. You've heard of so, these. Yes, heard of heard these? Of, yes. So you have all yeah. these different casks, and I guess we'll get into your, your magic of blending and. Uh, well, let's talk about blending. So, like here, like the master distillers, like 
you know, the celebrity or the, you know, the person that everyone looks to like, but I hear over there, the master blender is kind of like the Hidden rock star. Away. Hidden away, nosing lots of casks. I know about 5,000 uh, samples per year from casks um, because it's such a complex spirit and no two casks are the same. They're very, can be very different. Um, so I've known about 150,000 casks. Wow. In my lifetime so far um, <laughs> and counting and counting. Um, but, uh, you know, it is the key part of, uh, of, of delivering um, a perfectly balanced single malt is knowing uh, obviously what wood to use, what your wood policy is, because we can reuse them more than once. Um, and then the different recipes as such are almost in the cast selection. Mm -hmm. So the percentage you might use, a bourbon cast, virgin oak, although very few use virgin oak. We've got a real, uh, we're on to uh, a winner here with Brown Foreman because we have the source of virgin oak. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. It's great um, to play with. And, and, and tons to, of used To work it out. And tons, tons of, of used barrels. And great da Daniel's barrels. Yeah. And Woodford Zara, Forrester, take your pick. So, um, yeah, so it's up to the master blender to kind of, work out uh, in conjunction, obviously, in collaboration with various people in the business so like, or influencing you, very pe various people in the business to to um, to say, oh, I think this will really work and the consumer will love it. And, you know, so like when you're doing a blend, are you like, all right, I went 30 bourbon, X bourbon blends, I went 35 X Madeira blends and or Madeira cask finish and then to blend, to make, you know, a brand or like... Or is well, there it no formula? On, well, it's it's really up to the whiskey. And to be honest, it's the whiskey that tells me. Mm -hmm. Because Just keep nosing. Rea, keep nosing all keep day. Nosing. Keep nosing. It tells you. It tells you the story. It tells you what it wants to be. You just have to listen. Um, so you're not the guidance counselor. You, <laughs> like, like Jackie says when you know, when she gets barrels off, she can like taste them and be like, all right, you're going off to be the Old Forester, you're going to be the Prohibition series. You're going like here and there, but yeah, no, you let I the do whiskey do that. actually. Yeah. You actually let the whiskey uh, tell you what what to do with it. Absolutely, you know I the like character of the whiskey. You know. The character of the whiskey tells me what to do with it. I mean, with Ben Riek, it's got perfect balance of fruit, malt, and oak. You know, mm -hmm. um, and that is the key for me is to create character, individuality, um, make it shine, just bring it all out. You know. Um, so, uh, with Ben Riek 10, for example, I don't know if this is an appropriate time to, yeah, I might as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Ben Riek 10. It's after lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, 
Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com bourbon. So uh, with Ben at 10, for example, I don't know if this is an appropriate time to Yeah, I might as know. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Ben Reek 10. It's after lunch. <laughs> 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 so this is a core whiskey from Ben Reek. It's unpeated. All right, just uh, we, to make sure we we're going which way? Left to right. Left, left to right. right. Left yeah. to right. Ben. I'll know if you're not. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Well, the there last we time we did this, we're, well, I was with we were with Jackie and I went right to left and I was like, I'm not getting the same notes as you all, but you know, mm-hmm. that's me for not following directions. So this okay. is, this is the gray label one that we're trying. Is so this is, yeah, this is the core um, product. And, uh, this is, uh, a, a marriage of, um, bourbon. So principally ex Jack Daniels cast. That's the, mm-hmm. the main constituent of this uh, product. Um, also some sherry cast from um, European oak. Mm-hmm. And then also some of the brown for- forming cooperage virgin oak, which is medium toasted and medium charred. The same as Jack Daniels. Yes. It's funny so, you talk about fruit. I smell like Hawaiian punch or like, you know, like beach pineapple, kind of yeah. pineapple, like... Mm-hmm. Like a Some toasted coconut, something like yeah. that. The more you know it, the more fruit you're going to get. It just keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Ben it just like it's so fruit laden. It's like a pina colada or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get pina colada. <laughs> yeah. I get an apple orchard. Can I work with ripening, you? Yeah, now. <laughs> ripening peaches. Yeah, Ryan will come up with the best tasting notes for you. I yeah. promise. I, know. I think You're of everything. I think every, everything I had as a child, and I'm like, all right, we're we're gonna find this in the whiskey, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and you find it. I did. Well, I didn't have pina coladas when I was a child, but yeah. <laughs> but I did have Hawaiian punch. Yeah. Have you ever had Hawaiian punch? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I know what you're talking we're about. All, we're all relatable still. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so very, very, very fruity. Yes, very from fruity. those pear-shaped cells. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, um, beautiful. And you got, uh, yeah, I mean, some people who, who drink uh, wine really love this. So, you know, if you come in from Chablis or, you know, Chardonnay, you know, that fruitiness mm-hmm. um, is very, very distinctive layers of fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kind, of proof, okay. what kind of proof are we looking at on this? This is 43% alcohol, which is 86 degrees proof. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a good strength. It's just the right strength to keep the fruit, malt, and oak in perfect balance. So like with scotch, like bourbon, they typically like, all right, four years, we can start selling this. When are you all like, we can start selling this? At what Well, age? legally, it can be from three years old. Okay. Okay. But I would never sell a single malt <laughs> three years old because uh, the complexity is so much uh, richer. Um, it just gives you more. By 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So at three so, years, is that for the single malt or to be called a scotch? It has to be at least three years it, old. For both. Okay. So any scotch whiskey, be it a blend um, of um, malt and grain, because we do have grain distilleries mm-hmm. as well. Um, I guess we never really talked about that, like what other kind of grains are, are used. I know. But we focus on the single malt mm-hmm. um, because that's where all the flavor is. Gotcha. Um, uh, so, do you yeah. look at Do you look at other grains then as like like filler? Like it doesn't really have – it doesn't bring as much complexity or character to uh, well, a the, scotch. Well, the scotch whiskey industry 
was built on the complexity of single malt. Mm-hmm. And the grain, uh, yeah, was pretty much there as a as a filler. I got you. See? You know, grain's cheaper. So like yeah. with- single malt is, you know, expensive to make. It's mm-hmm. a batch process. It's handcrafted. It's, um, you know, it's uh, barley is expensive. I just want to talk about aging a little yeah, bit too. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Because it seems that um, barrels seem to like retain a lot more liquid over in Scotland, you know, the longer they sit. I mean, you've you've got scotches that are yeah, 20, 30, 40, 50 years yeah. old. June. June, yeah. <laughs> it's hotter than hell. Yeah. And so, it never gets that hot in Scotland. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I wish I lived there because it'd be so easy to grow grass in Scotland. It is. It's like the perfect grass. grass weather. <laughs> you know. We've got I guess that's why it's the birthplace landscape. of golf. You have an incredible landscape yeah. in Scotland. It's so lush. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's perfect for barley as well on the East Coast and then peat on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your question? Well, yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> I always do that. I distract people. It's ADD. It's okay. How did we get onto grass? Uh, well, I was like, we were talking about how hot it is here versus Scotland. And I'm like, Scotland's the perfect place to grow grass because grass here in June or July, it's like, it, it hates it. But, <laughs> but it's good for bourbon because it's evaporating and moving it out of the barrel, you know. And so. I guess yeah. that was the question more yeah. along the lines of evaporation. I mean, are you yeah. seeing a lot of evaporation lost over in Scotland that you would compared to like bourbon that are that's coming from Ohio, Tennessee, yeah. Kentucky? What, what's considered a, we call it a short barrel here, you know, like if it's like below like 100 bottles, we're like, ooh, that's a short barrel. That one's going to be good. Do you have those mm. in Scotland? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we lose about, on average, for the whole industry, and it does vary, and then we get into another discussion, um, we lose about 2% of the volume in litres of alcohol per year mm-hmm. of the original cask. Yeah. Which is, okay. we're about, what, 5 to 8%, I think, is kind of what you see around here. At least at the first year, I think it's upwards of double digits, but then yeah. after that, it kind of settles yeah. down a little bit. So what that means, because it's a very slow... Reduction, uh, and also the the alcohol strength goes down. I know in bourbon it goes up. Oh really? For a spell. Yeah. I did didn't you not know, know that? No. Oh, there you go. I, I told you we're coming in this all green. <laughs> so yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So the the alcohol strength uh, goes down, and that means that you're extracting different things from the the oak cast the longer you leave it because mm-hmm. that strength's going down, but you're only losing two percent volume, meaning that. Uh, you can leave it for longer. It's got more interaction with the wood, more oxidation, most importantly, for single malt, because that gives you the elegance, the complexity, the top notes, etc., the finesse that you find in a single malt. Mm-hmm. I am amazed by time. how much different flavor notes you get in this, you know, 86 proof 10-year, uh, what is this, the single malt? Yeah. Yeah, Ben Riek, 10-year-old. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. It's like... It's incredible the flavors you kind of get out of it. I, mm. Like I said, we're pretty amateur in scotch, and you know, most of the scotch I've had have been very heavy peated, mm. so it's like really pungent, kind of earthy, like smoky type. Mm-hmm. This is definitely more on the fruitier side, more like Captain Crunch berries. Have you ever had Captain Crunch with the berries no. in them? Sorry, <laughs> talking to him. But I, I can imagine what you're enjoying. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's kind of like. 
you know, cereal and the milk with yeah. kind of a little sugary substance. Yeah. And then you have the like fridge. a really sugary berries inside. Absolutely. See? Nailed you it. See? <laughs> that is the yeah. 10-year-old. Or, cheers, or another delicacy here in Kentucky, fruit pizza. I just oh, discovered yes. that. I was like, fruit pizza? I never heard of such yep, a, a thing. A big sugar cookie with the cream oh, cheese icing and gosh. kiwis and all that stuff. Oh, I had that with this whiskey for lunch. Oh, there you go. See, we're on, on the campus. same wavelength. Of <laughs> and it was just amazing because you get the fruit, you get the malt, which is like the creaminess of custard and vanilla. Yeah. And then you get the yolk, um, which is like the uh, toasted almond on top and, the, and, that, and that lovely pastry base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so layered. Have you, have you tried it yet? Fruit pizza? Have you tried this? Oh, you tried yeah. tried them all? Oh, yeah. I, th- I noticed you well, having a Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, sip. We, 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 oh, we yeah. Kenny been drinking. or Ryan? Oh, Ryan Kenny. Or Kenny. Kenny? Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. And then we have both been drinking. Yes. You've both, well, I haven't yet. So, <laughs> oh. slange, as we say. Oh. Or slangeva. 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 Yeah. Sounds good to me. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, fruit pizza. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. We need a new pairing. Take, take that one back to Scotland. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Except I probably need to um, visit our local patisserie. Oh, yeah. Maybe they can do it for, for the you. For the pizza, but I don't yeah. think they call it that. <laughs> but it is. It's just like a bakery. And that's the beauty of Ben because it's in a sweet spot between the mountain and the sea. And it has the perfect environment to give you this balance of fruit, malt, and oak. If you go up the hill a bit to other distilleries, you get a little more kind of delicate fruit, but without the malt. And if you go down, it gets a bit more oily and it loses the fruit. So we have the perfect balance to uh So this is Ben, so it's a little higher up. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right, yeah. Cool. But this well, has. I like uh, the higher up. Yeah, good yeah. job, higher up. Let's yeah. go. Uh, yeah, let's talk, about the ne- let's talk about the next bend. And what, while I do oh, that, this is the same distillery. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the same same distillery, I get to but be like Willy it's a different different uh, different expression. So yeah. talk about the the different expression here. And this well, is the black label for anybody yeah. that's I mean, wondering what we're talking. about. For anyone about. that's curious, we have curiositas. Anyone that's curious about peat. Because this is the peated Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yep. And going back to the 1970s, oh, yeah. this is the only space like side. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only space side to have peated malt going back to the 1970s and mm-hmm. in, in, in all of space side. So and, our peat is wood rich. Me, I mean, yeah. is there, is, there has to be. There has to be a ton of people that love the, the taste and the smell of peat. And I don't know. For me, it's it's hard to kind of gravitate towards. Like I'm a more fan of of the uh, the other Ben versus the peated Ben. But <laughs> yeah, I think this is also could have been my. It's uh, our upbringing. Well, it's, I don't know if it's our upbringing. It could be, uh, you know, our palate's not adjusted to it. You know, because a bourbon, bourbon's very sweet. You We've know, had corn. to eat fruit pizzas. Yeah, maybe that what it is. But you know, the, we come from bourbon. It's so it's very sweet. Um, yeah, versus, but what about the barbecues? Mm, yeah, that's true, it's true. true. Smoky. Mm-hmm. We like. I love uh-huh. smoky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, charcuterie Kenny, meats. A, he, he likes to smoke meat. Yeah, He's got, an amateur. I got my green egg. I do some brisket, <laughs> some pulled pork, and some ribs. Yeah, yeah. It does smell like that. It does. And do you have any forest? Do you have forests here? We have Bernheim forest. Mm-hmm. So the south of us, in it. the forest, you're, were either of you Boy Scouts? Uh, I started <laughs> Tiger Scout, but yeah. then I started playing baseball. Maybe I was a cub. That was about go. it. I never really, never really made it to so Eagle. So did you ever have yeah. the pleasure of maybe – you know, as you aged as well, of, of having a little campfire in the oh, forest. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had flint and steel at one point. I think that was the coolest thing I ever got out of Boy Scouts was actually having my the flint, flint and steel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Being able to actually create a fire with that. Like just, you know. Well, have a the, sniff. Oh, yeah, Take okay. you back there. It will take you back there. You're in that forest. You do feel like with you're With your fire. flint and steel. Mm-hmm. You've got some marshmallows being toasted. 
Oh, you've got some uh, sugar maple in there as well. I get the sugar maple. Mm -hmm. It's just so it's just so radically different than what we usually drink. You know, that's 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 why it's so like it's still coming to me. Yeah, but that's just because you haven't tried it. You know, you need to just try it. Open your mind. I knew I was coming into this. Look at the diversity of flavor we've got here. Little Ben is the gateway bird or the gateway scotch. (laughs) Gateway scotch, (laughs) and then this is like. Big Ben. Yeah, Big Ben. <laughs> well, Big Ben is a little bit higher in strength as well. It's okay. 46% alcohol, non-chill filtered, and 92 degrees. Gotcha. Proof. What are, what are they uh, where are they coming out of the barrel typically at? You didn't already say that, did you? No, well, I didn't. We know, we know they go down. Oh, they go that. down. Okay, so over 10 years, we're probably going to go from the filling strength of around 63.5%. You say 163.5 is what you... Fi- Go into the barrel last? 63.5%, which oh, okay. is 136, seven, 137. 137. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I'm not good proof. at math either. 137 degrees proof. And then it goes down to, it loses over 10 years, about 5% alcohol. So it'll go down to about 58, 59. Okay. Typically. Depends where it is in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, depends which warehouse it is. Yeah. In size of the warehouse. Traditional is, dunnage or tall. Is there an uh, idea in the Scotch world of like single barrels? Like is that a, is oh, that a God, thing? Oh yes, Glendronach and Ben Riek. We 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 do single barrels for 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 customers for yeah. you know for retailers. You know some of the specialist okay. shops. So it's you will see the single cast. Yeah, do you do cast. Single yeah, barrels. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got um, we've got cast strength um, expressions as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. to all. All right, from well, the connoisseur. Uh, so, but this is forty six, ninety two degrees proof. Cheers, cheers on this one. Yeah. Cheers. What was that saying? Slangeva. Slangeva. All right. Okay. Yeah, this one reminds me of like my, uh, I smoke a turkey every year for Thanksgiving and it has this like Cajun rub that I put on it. It's like yeah. kind of real spicy and kind of smoky. So like uh, kind of got, kind of makes me, reminds me of that. And this is bourbon cast. So this oh. is Jack Daniels cast. You is know? It? Well, no wonder. <laughs> so it's, but it's still. Like I feel like I'm yeah. branching out. I feel so proud of but myself. But it's still so right fruity. Now. That's why you're loving it because yeah. it's still got the sweetness. Remember, I said it was the peat is wood rich, so mm-hmm. you're just like smoking wood. Yep. Um, and then you got the, the campfire up front. You got and the, the campfire, the and then unlike the Isla malts, we are very fruit laden, even in distillation. So we get all that fruit in there as well as the smoke. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, smoking a fruit pizza. <laughs> Smoking a fruit egg. pizza, I love it. <laughs> yep, get it on the camp. Everything, comes, right. everything goes some, back to the fruit pizza around here. Yep. Oh, and maybe some uh, some bananas yeah. on the barbecue with some chocolate in them as well. Ooh. Dark chocolate, Ooh. dark chocolate. Have you had a banana croquettes yet since you've been to Kentucky? I've not had the pleasure. Oh wow, change your life. Put it put on tonight. The next. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. ask for a ban- banana, banana croquette. It's a banana dinner. rolled in. Mayonnaise, and then uh, <laughs> you make it sound so good. And then you put crushed up peanuts on it. It's magical. I oh. promise. <laughs> Barbecue that, and it's this is it exactly in a glass. Yep. It's right here. <laughs> Nailed it. You know, you just have to open your minds in Kentucky to the the flavors that you I enjoy agree. in your food. Mm-hmm. You know, so I it's guess got another so much. another question that we 
that it kind of, you know, kind of related back to bourbon a little bit is with inside of bourbon, we have this idea of like, oh, like there's a huge shortage. Like all these higher aged expressions are getting very, very hard to find. And they're very, very expensive. And everybody rushes and jumps. And like, there's this huge influx of people that are really starting to buy. Now, do you see that still happening like in the Scotch world? Or is it Scotch has just been around for so long? It's had the luxury of time and stocks and that you're able to still put out 10, 20, 30 year old expressions. And they've been aging since 1400. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, may I ask, is there any actually left in the barrel in Kentucky after 10, 15, 20 years? Yeah. Uh, not much. After I'd say, what was it? I think, uh, you know, we, we have, we know some distilleries around, they have, they have some 15, 20 year old releases, but you're looking at 70 to 95 bottles in the barrel. At cash strength. At cash strength, something like that. Um, you know, yeah, you and yeah, you talked to Chris Morris. We've talked about before and birthday bourbons and stuff like that with the heat cycled warehouses that there are times at even 12 years old that they have empty casks. Yeah. Um, so it, See, it just I would depends. Imagine, I think Chris just forgot to put the plug back in. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would imagine with virgin oak, there would just be wood, wood, and more wood mm-hmm. and lots of wood. Yeah. I would imagine for a very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, definitely after time. like it takes a 14, lot of oak 15, character. Fifteen, you're like, all right, this is very tannicky, very yeah, mm-hmm. like bitter kind of finish to it. So there's like so a, we're always going for balance. I mean, the fact that single malt uh, Ben Rake is so fruit laden, it means that with maturation over a long time, you're just getting the keeping that balance, converting the woods into a softer flavors. Um, and you get a lot of reactions happening rather than just extraction. So it's very, very complex. But um, in answer to your question, yeah, we've got some older stocks and we're very lucky at Benriac because it started peating in 1972 again. Um, and we've got stocks going back to then of the peated malt. So we've got um, 21-year-old temporis as well. It's uh, fully peated, but it tastes like caramelized pear. It's incredible. Mm. And honey. Uh, I need sugar maple and toasted. I never had a pear caramelized. There you go. Get on it. I know. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, so you think it was really (laughs) peaty, but you know it's not. Um, And yeah, so we have all this wonderful um, whiskey that um, for people to discover um, in flavor. You know, people are just waking up to malt. Mm -hmm. Well, so I guess uh, yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Well, I was gonna say in these. So what, like, is a typical? barrel dump in these blends, like how many barrels are well, yeah, typically, in a typical batch? Yeah, and Ben Riek, a typical batch would be around um, 50 to 60. Oh, okay. It's pretty, so pretty small then. Yeah, it's a small yeah. batch. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a pretty small batch, single malt mm-hmm. um, per bottling. And obviously I want to keep it consistent as well each time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, yeah. So we've got mostly bourbon. Bourbon for the the curiosities. The ten year old was the uh, the virgin oak, the uh, sherry, and the the bourbon. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we've got lots more expressions besides using wine casts, etc. Oh so, yeah, yeah. I get to play. So you're getting like I mean, it is like a pizzeria. You get so much different flavor going on. You just get into that cake shop. Is it like here where you have like a like a I don't know why I, this word comes to my accountability partners or like tasting panel, tasting panel. That's what I'm looking for to like, uh, you know, just make sure that everything you're blending is consistent with their, the brand. Yeah, you I mean, know, is, it, is it all Rachel or is there, is there, is there a team behind you as well? That's sort Would of Would you helping. like to be on the team? I do. I think I've passed. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could do well. 
just for yeah. pizza, you know? <laughs> no, I've got an assistant. Okay. I do have an assistant. Just one? Just one assistant oh, wow. gotcha. um, on the flavor side. Because um, typically here, there's like a pain of like, like five or six. Five or six people. However, however, you know, the distillery team as well, everyone gets involved. Everyone gets involved. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. They know what the final product is. And speaking of final product, let's talk about the last one we have on our right, which is the Glendronic. So talk about what this is and really what this expression is as well. Yeah, you said it so perfectly, I Glendronic. Know. I've, I've, yeah. You know, 55 minutes later, I think I figured it out. So. Yeah. Well, that means Valley of the Brambles. You've heard of Brambles? 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 No. no. Blackberries. We have lots me. of blackberries there. Oh, okay. Around the, in the distillery. It's beautiful. It's in the Highlands, um, but it's in a valley in the Highlands. And um, it's, I was born very close to the distillery, brought up there. It's the richest, most abundant landscape for agriculture. You'd love it. Um, It's uh, great soil, um, great, just best barley in Scotland near um, Glendronach Distillery. And um, primarily we use sherry cast. That's what really sets us apart. Mm -hmm. Um, We use sherry cast. Oh, there you go. Really going hard like with the apples here. Mots. Yeah. Like applesauce or something. Well, they're you know? not baked. Because what? No, no, no. They're not baked. They're not baked. No, they're oh, just freshly there squeezed. There you go. Um, yep. Oh, well. Well, I get Everyone's nose is different, of course. Yeah. Sorry. And, I'm off the team uh, now. Yeah. I mean, our stills. <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> we've, got, we've got saxophone-shaped stills, mm-hmm. which means that we have a robust kind of earthy character. And on top of that, we've got all these fruits, which you're picking up. Um, but bramble fruits is quite dominant, I think. Apricots, figs, um, oh, yeah. all that going on. Kind of yeah. uh, soft products. fruits and the and the darker fruits um, come through. So uh, with Glendronic, uh, we source um, Spanish oak from uh, from uh, Spain, from Galicia, is um, filled with two types of sherry primarily. Um, Pedro Jimenez and Oloroso. And Pedro Jimenez, I think we buy the most uh, Pedro Jimenez casks in the industry because Pedro Jimenez is known as the king of sherries. Okay. And it gives you a really unctuous kind of sweetness, dates, raisins, dark chocolate, mm. all of that going on. And the, really sweet. And then the Oloroso is drier and nuttier. Um, so, yeah. So we, for the 12-year-old... Um, have 12 year old, uh, Pedro Jimenez, 12 year old Oloroso, and we bring them together. And the, uh, combination is the perfect balance for Glendronic. So a question about when you're using, you know, XPX and Oloroso barrels and stuff like that, cause you use them multiple times over. Is there like a, because you're going to ex- only extract so much of that flavor. You're not going to get it every single time. So it's like, is there a, like a chalk line? It's like you like one, two, three, like, like we've used <laughs> right, this three times. Out. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, like we need, we need one that's a, f- a first new fill or a few new fills to add into this to kind of keep that sort of consistency to it. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just... So it is a chalk yeah. line. Yep. I've got a flight path. I've got a flight path I'm working on. Flight path I'm working on because obviously as volume grows and it will, people love Glendronic. Um, we're disgorging casks for the 12-year-old and they're all first fill. Mm-hmm. Pedro Jimenez and Oloroso, you did ask in this, first fill. Um, we disgorge those and then we'll maybe re- refill them with new make, the new fill. Mm-hmm. And then I know that it's going to take longer 
for a second fill. So it might be 18 years or, or more, or I might even have to re-rack it back into oh first God, fill. If it's, not, if, it's not, if it's not worked as well or it's not extracting enough. But Spanish oak is incredibly deep in colour and tannins. It's Spanish oak cast lasts a long time. Mm-hmm. So typically in the industry, going back to the 19th century, they would have been used three, four or five times, wow. you know, and they would have still been strong. They wouldn't have leaked, et cetera. They're solid. They've got thick staves or big casks. Um, and uh, But we only uh, use them uh, twice, really. And if I was to fill it a third time, I would um, Probably not going to get much out it. of it, yeah. I would re-rack it after a few years. Um, what do you mean re-rack? I take, it, take the whiskey out of that cask and put it into first fill. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, it's like if you've got kids, you know, if, if they're doing well at school, you leave them as that school and they're doing well and they're flourishing and they're, you know, becoming great individuals. If they're not doing so well at that school, you might take it out and put it into a different school. Mm-hmm. Rachel, you hit out of the park with this one. This one's Thank awesome. You. You, like the, you like the Glen? Yes. The Glen a, I think I'm a Glen fan. I like I like the valleys in the Highlands. Yeah. This well, the is, thing about Glendronic is... I'm a, a judge at spirits competitions. Okay. And for me, the hallmark of fine whiskey, full stop, um, but especially fine single, finest single malt, is that it must be complex, balanced, loads of character, and always deliver more on the taste than on the nose. Yeah. I'm getting, Exceed expectations every time. This is, yeah, this reminds me of like a apple cider with all the, you know, the, you get the cinnamon sticks and the mulling spices all in there, kind of, and just like a a little bit fruitier version of that, but really Very hitting spicy. Like You're getting the yeah. spices from the Oloroso cask, mm-hmm. so you could get gin, warm gingerbread baking mm-hmm. in the oven, um, cinnamon yeah, like, sticks, absolutely melt, great for Christmas. This everything is for like, fall for me, like mm-hmm. when I think about fall, fall. Or, yeah. or Christmas in a glass, you know. Um, or yeah, definitely fall as well. So you get a nuttiness at the back of the palate from the Oloroso. Mm-hmm. So when you taste it, I better just have another sip. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, I guess I, I got another question about because I know that Glendronic has a, a really big kind of cult following sort of behind it too. Like it's it's one of the most popular brands that are out there. And I know how do I join? <laughs> <laughs> it, I know there was a it had been in a probably a year, maybe a year and a half ago. There was a release called like 1993. Is was kind of talk about sort of that and sort of some of these uh, these sort of special releases that are coming out that a lot of these sort of really whiskey nerds and scotch nerds are really going for. Yeah, I mean, the beauty of Glendronic is that it's traditional and we haven't changed anything. So it's that's why I call it, it's kind of old style. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is you're working with nature. And obviously we do have seasons. So, for example, in the spring and the spirit of the still, I might get a little bit more kind of like vines and uh, almost a grapey quality from malt. It's incredible. And then into June, I'll get more kind of dark fruit and jammy. Into October and autumn in the fall, you get more of this nutty tobacco leaf leather. It's incredible. So what does this mean? Well, obviously, when I create 12-year-olds, I'm using whiskey from all the seasons and I'm giving that perfect balanced taste, getting all that complexity that you love. With the single casks, individual Mm -hmm. cask bottlings, you know, it's giving the connoisseurs an opportunity to, wow, they're appreciating all these different complex flavors that are coming through in different casts at different times. They're getting that chance to really uh, have, have a taste of the complexity of Glendronic in different 
individual casks. So it might be a cask that's more robust, more full body and oily, you know, all or also maybe from from November. Mm-hmm. Or it might be one that's a bit more spicy from the winter. Um, or maybe one that's just a bit more jammy from the summer. I like jammy. You know? Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. So it's really yeah, so and they love and they love discussing it. They love it. They love it. But you know your stuff. <laughs> Listen, I I read a few forums and I see what people are talking about, what they're buying, and I just get curious. And that's just one mm. of the things that happen. But now, it's the, got quite a following. Glendronic has got quite a following, and mm-hmm. and more and more are gravitating. And I think you know with this quality, I think people in Kentucky are going to love it. Yeah, yeah, and this one actually, you know, it has a little bit of a, a darker and richer color than than the Ben. But yeah, well, the Ben and Ben Riak and Glendronic are all natural color, um, and that means it's just. From the from the cask, naturally cask imparted color. Um, other other malts might be have caramel added, for example. Um, uh, but you know, it's all natural for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so the color that you see is coming from the Spanish oak, Pedro Jimenez Oloroso sherry. So um, yeah, you get a more intense, more intense color. Well, you know, that's that's awesome. And thank you so much for the information. And, you know, also thank you so much for flying all the way to Scotland to have to this interview us. with us in Louisville. Yeah. I mean, this was a pleasure for us. So, I know. You know I know. It, it was uh, definitely an honor for us to actually have you on here because there's there's probably so many people in the Scotch world that know who you are. And it was a pleasure for us to finally have this introduction uh, from somebody like you to say, you know, really lead us through a scotch tasting like this. So it was it was really an honor. That's absolutely my pleasure to be with you. And yeah, I hope I'm, I've managed to convert at least one of you to uh, add single malt scotch to your repertoire. I think we might, I think a Glenn and a Ben might be in the, yeah. the ticket here yeah. for me. So that's, I agree. Glenn and a Ben. A Glenn and a Ben. <laughs> yep. yeah. 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 So you're going for your, the your Ben new 10. Line. Yeah. Uh, Glenn and a Ben. Yeah. I agree. I mean, this Glendronic is really good. And then the, uh, I'm still, I got to be, I'm still not on board with the Pete yet. Maybe it just, it's like everything else. It just How'd you like time. your coffee? I don't drink coffee. You didn't drink coffee. Ah, how'd you like your coffee? Uh, I, I either like it like black, nothing in it, like like Peru or Nicaraguan blends, like mm. they're real kind of fruity, like tanicky mm. kind of. Or I like it as an almond milk latte where you, you got to get the nuttiness. See, that's why the, you like them both. But I don't like milk with coffee because it kind of like brings it down. See, you like both Ben's, don't you? You like the smoky one too. You were there in the forest. I, I was in the, in the forest, forest, in the camp, you know, <laughs> you roasting there. my turkey and marshmallows. You were, you were. Yep. See, it's interesting because interesting you don't like coffee because people who love coffee and black coffee, that that the, the tannins and the coffee and that, that kind of uh, lovely lingering taste, mm-hmm. you know, they they love um, peated whiskey. Mm-hmm. They love the peated bin. No, it, I, the good thing about we're, this is we're that team Pete Ben. He's team no Pete. <laughs> <laughs> it, with anything well, else, and yeah. when you're tasting whiskey and you're growing with whiskey, you know everything is. You know, you get it's a, a progression to it. You get a progression, and you know. I remember the first time I had a peated whiskey and I was just, or a peated scotch, and I was like, "There's no way. Like, why would people even drink this?" And now I'm sitting here talking with you, and we're, and we're going through it, and yeah, you're you're trying to 
take me back to those memories and the time center on a campfire. And you can actually, yeah, you can get some of that from it. Uh, you, you Kenny's kinda... never been around a campfire. <laughs> He's in tech. Oh. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a city boy. You yeah. need to take him. You need to take him no, to, no. to the forest. He has electric fires in his house. <laughs> take him to the forest. Yeah, we just use it. We flip the switch and it comes yeah. on. Yeah, it's it must it be curious. You need to take your drama curiosity. Yeah. Once you get a campfire, you can join our team on tasting panel. <laughs> <laughs> we can have a picnic. Okay. We can take some fruit pizza as well, well okay. with our, we'll, with our we'll, uh, Ben 10. We'll come over to Scotland. We'll bring our fruit pizzas and we'll go and visit the stillers with you. How about that? Does it sound like a good deal? Absolutely. Okay. Can't wait, Can't wait to see you. You must come and visit us. Absolutely. Please yeah, we'd do. love to make it happen. One our day. distilleries are very close. They're only like half an hour apart. Yeah. That's so easy. it's easy. easy. You can do both. It's mm-hmm. like here to Barstown. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel, thank you again for for coming on the show today. Like I said, it was a it was a true honor, especially from somebody of your caliber and uh, your history of being able to guide us through this. It was it was really fantastic. Uh, so Ryan, go ahead and start. Oh, actually, I want you to also get an opportunity for anybody else that's out there that wants to learn more about you or wants to follow you on social media. What are your are you an Instagrammer or I am. Twitter? Yeah, or kind of I kind am. of talk about how Facebook people can. Get uh, Snapchat. Uh, well, my, I'm Lady Blender on on, on Twitter. Twitter. Yep. Uh, on Instagram, I'm RB Whiskey Maker. I like it. There we go. There you go. So now you go follow her, and you can kind of get an idea of the the glens and the bends and everything we've been talking about today. So it's a fantastic opportunity. But our malts also have oh. Facebook sites. I have to say yes. our malts, Benriac yes. and Glendronic. Also, they have Facebook sites, and they're on Instagram. And well, one thing I forgot to ask was... In Glen Glassino. Yeah, Glen Glassino. Yeah, did <laughs> I say it right? That. Did yeah. I say it right? And Glen Glasses too. Glen Glasses. Glen Glasses so we've close. not even tasted. And, you one know, thing I forgot to ask, time. what are the next price time. points? Like if somebody were to, you know... Okay, so the, the Ben oh, yeah, we 10. Got, we got to take it to the ben American dollars. Is $60 yep. a bottle. Yeah, roundabout. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Curiositas and uh, the Glendronic 12. Yeah, they're all uh, around about $60. Oh, that's um, so you just great need value. To, to find your malt, you know? And we've got a malt for everyone, you know? <laughs> find your malt. I was going to say, that's that. a, t-shirt. It's a t shirt in the making right there. So, yeah. you know, whether Glenn you like it. And find your malt. Yeah. Find your malt with Glenn and Ben. <laughs> there you go. That's what you need You're to do. You're welcome, Brown Foreman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bills in the mail. No, yeah, thank you so much. This was an honor and a, a lot of fun. I think we had a good time. And I, I had a good time. Thank can't you wait for... to join your team and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a bunch of tastings together, put the Glenn and Ben's out there for everyone to like. But no, uh, I didn't know anything about scotch coming into this. So I, it was me just either. interesting for me to sit here and chat with you about it. And now I'm with me once I've kind of break that initial hurdle now it's like a deep dive and like let's nerd out as much as we can about it so i'm definitely a big fan of glenn ben so uh appreciate you taking the time and coming to see us across the pond so uh with that we'll see y'all next time cheers thanks for having me